As mentioned this morning, my name is Father Jordan. I'm a Dominican priest from Blessed Sacrament. But these last 12 years, I had served as the director at the Newman Center at the University of Washington. And recently, I too became a missionary. And today, we celebrate Missionary Sunday. And I support my brothers and sisters who minister to the people of God in Mexico and in Guatemala and in Alaska and Puerto Rico, in Pakistan, in Africa and Iraq and also now our brothers in Ukraine. You know, at first reading, Jesus' parable about the persistent widow and the judge is, when you think about it, one of the funniest that you can find in Scripture. But then, the humor dissipates with his suggestion that it is a story about prayer. Apparently, We're supposed to make pest of ourselves in the hope that God will respond to us, if only to shut us up. Now, in the gospel, this particular parable follows at the heels of Jesus' very scary story about the end of the age. I tell you, he says, that on that night there will be two in bed, one will be taken and the other left, and there will be two women grinding meal together, one will be taken And another left. And then his disciples ask, well, where, Lord? And he says to them, where the body is, there also the vultures will gather. Then he takes a breath. And he goes on and continues with the parable of the judge. Which is our clue that he is speaking to us not just about any old kind of prayer. He is talking about a prayer that asks that God come again and again A prayer that is more than being a little spooked by the idea of being snatched out of bed in the middle of a night. A prayer that begs for God's presence, for God's justice and God's compassion, not later, but right here, right now. And I think that some of us know how prayer like that can wear our hearts out if you're not careful, especially when there's no sign on earth that God has heard, much less answered our prayers. Because you can only knock so long at the closed door before your hands hurt so much to go on. You can only listen to yourself speak into the silent as long before and as long you begin to wonder if anyone was ever there. And when that happens, I believe the pain and the doubt gang up on us to the point that we start to feel that we we are dead inside and you begin to become weary. And that's a phrase that Jesus uses because he doesn't want that to happen to any of us because we are loved by him. And so he tells this parable, and that is the reason he told this parable to his disciples about their need to pray always and not grow weary. It was the same problem Jesus was having with his loved ones. Things were not going well in the prayer department. The disciples wanted God to make clear that everyone to everyone that Jesus was who they thought he was, but instead what they got were warrants for his arrest. And he was telling them that his place at the table would soon be empty. And by the time that St. Luke had written his gospel, things had gotten worse. 
Rome was standing over Jerusalem like a vulture over a corpse, and there was no sign that the kingdom of God would come anytime soon. Jesus said he would be right back, only he wasn't. And so people began to lose heart so they could go back when they felt that way, they felt weary, they could go back to this parable that Jesus told about this widow who would not stop pleading her case. Now, St. Luke doesn't tell us what this complaint was about, but for me, it's not hard to guess. Since she's a widow, her case probably concerns her dead husband's estate. And under Jewish law, you see, she couldn't inherit it. It would go straight to her son or to her brothers-in-law. But if she was allowed to live off it, it might be that someone could cheat her. And in fact, and the fact that she's standing before the judge is a pretty good indicator that none of them, none of the men in her family were particularly on her side. If she had any protectors at all left, they probably would have kept her home and gone about things in a more civilized manner. No son wants to see their mother living on the streets. No brother-in-law wants to see his brother's widow disgracing that family's name. But you notice, you notice how no one is holding her back, and the judge soon finds out that she's quite capable of taking care of herself. Now remember, the gospel tells us He's a dishonest judge, and by his own admission, he says, I have no fear of God, and I have no respect for anyone, and maybe he thinks that that is what makes him a better judge, maybe it makes him more impartial and all that, or maybe he believes that he's been on the bench so long that he realizes just how complicated justice can be. And however it happened, he seems to be very well defended. God doesn't get to him. People don't get to him. But in the gospel, it is this widow who gets to him, at least partially because she throws a mean right punch. Now, it's difficult, I think, to find a humor in English because in the Greek, St. Luke does use a term that refers to boxing. While it is true that I neither fear God or respect any human being, because this widow keeps bothering me, I shall deliver a just decision, lest she finally come and strike me. Now, that's what we heard this morning, but in the Greek, it says this. I shall deliver a just decision so that she might not wear me out, and continue to give me blows under my eye. And so I think that his motivation in responding to her is not equity. It could be pride, it could be conceit, because he doesn't want to walk around town with a black eye and having to make up stories about how he got it. And anyone who has seen that widow nipping at his heels like a mad dog would know where he got it. And since he cannot stand that idea, he grants her justice to save face. Pay attention to what the dishonest judge says, Jesus tells his disciples. And I believe this is the part that he wants us to pay attention to. 
Will not God then secure the rights of his chosen ones who call out to him day and night? Will he be slow to answer them? Now, I wonder if someone, and when they speak to me about prayer, if I should only respond with this parable that we, got, we have in the gospel. But then I think that if I talk about this parable, I wonder if people would conclude that the only way to get what they want is to keep punching God right under the eye. Or worse yet, what if they gather that God will not answer them, God will not, uh, God will not come to them, and in fact, God will instead get rid of them. And so if someone asked me about prayer, and I looked at this parable, I would focus more on the woman, about how she found herself all alone, without any kind of help, and she did not grow weary. She knew what she wanted. She knew who could give it to her. And whether that judge gave it to her or not, that was beyond her control. But that didn't matter to that widow. She was willing to say what she wanted out loud day and night over and over. And whether she got it or not, because saying it, pleading for it, was the way that she could remember who she was. It was the way that it allowed her to see her the shape of her heart. And while, they, while there may have been so many people embarrassed by her, or they felt sorry by the way she exposed herself, she just kept on not losing heart and knocking on that door. She would be, I think, she would never would have believed it herself and how exhilarated it might have been and was trying to phrase the words in the right way, stop to stop going through the proper channels and act grateful for whatever scraps that fell from that table. There were no words for the relief when she finally threw off her shame and her caution and her self-control and went right straight to the source to say exactly what she was demanding. And so that dishonest judge deals with her. But I'm not sure if that's even the point. Because I, come, I keep coming back to that little question at the end of the gospel that Jesus asks. But when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? It makes me think that Jesus did not know too many persistent widows or not enough of them. That he didn't know too many people with enough faith to stay at anything forever. Because then and now, and I knew this myself, we pray like we brush our teeth. We do it in the morning. We do it in the evening. It's kind of our prayer hygiene program. And people who invest more of themselves in prayer like that tend to be easily discouraged. We hang in there for a while, and maybe we pray 10 minutes a day, if we're lucky, maybe an hour a week. And when those prayers go unanswered, we back off. We back off maybe a little, maybe a lot, either by deciding not to ask at all. And when it comes to superficial prayer, I think, well, they're less painful 
and prayers that come from deep within our heart can sometimes, when we don't ask them at all, are the least harmful. Don't ask and you won't be disappointed. Don't seek and you won't miss what you will find. And as for that growing deadness that we can feel inside our hearts, well, sometimes we just get used to it. But what this widow shows us is that she tells us in her own actions that prayer can go on if we want and they will not seem meaningless. Because day by day, I think, she got up, she washed her face and asked for what she wanted. She trusted regardless of what would come of it because it was her persistence that gave her life. It kept her engaged with what mattered most and she did not become weary. When people ask me if prayer really works, I respond, it really does. But don't grow weary because prayer is what keeps our hearts chasing after God's heart. Prayers, no matter where they come from and no matter how they make us feel, is the way that we, you and I, keep in relationship with our God. Don't grow weary. Pray and pray and be persistent. Because there is nothing, my brothers and sisters, that works better than that.